Mount St. Helens, when it erupted, there was this big flow and then later it eroded out and you see all those same layers. We know when that formed, okay? So we know the layers can form quickly. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Hi, welcome to In Grace. Today we're gonna to talk about the flood of Noah. And a lot of people have said, well, you know, there's no way that really happened or it was just a local flood and, and it was exaggerated. No, folks, the, the Bible says that the flood destroyed all of humankind and, and, and animals except for those on the ark. And so if, if it was a local flood, God wouldn't have had to bring all the animals on the ark, would he? And he'd just have to have the people move away from the local flood. No, this was a global catastrophe. And when you look at the layers of sediment in the earth, uh, it matches up a global water event that laid down hundreds and hundreds of feet of sediments and fossils. And so we're going to talk about that today. And we're also going to ask, where did all the water come from? And we're going to get into the science of all of this and show you that science is squarely on the side of a Bible-believing Christian. Right before we get into today's message, I'm excited because tonight on TBN, you're going to be able to watch part one of Exodus Found, a brand new In Grace series. It's a documentary where I go to Egypt and I go to Saudi Arabia and we look for the route of the Exodus and we actually dive into the Red Sea and look for the evidence there. So I want you to watch that tonight on TBN or anytime on YouTube, search for In Grace. And then don't forget to subscribe and like the videos and comment. And we also would love for you to get alerts that the new videos are out and that way you'll know when to watch them. And then share these videos with people because the gospel is on everyone. Also, this weekend, and this Saturday, we're going to be in Mitchell, South Dakota. For all of our wonderful listeners in the Dakotas, we would love to invite you to a free event that we're going to have music, we're going to have food, I'm going to be speaking on the end times, and we would love to meet you in Mitchell, South Dakota at the Corn Palace this Saturday. And uh, you can get your free ticket at our website, ingraceradio.com. Can we find truth? Can we find truth in this world? If we looked hard enough, could we find absolute truth? Well, of course, I say yes to that. And there's a lot of things, though, in this world that are going obsolete. We have all sorts of things in our life that you might have used or your parents might have used, but your kids have no idea what they are. And so there is something that will never go obsolete, in Isaiah verse 8 of chapter 40, it says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And we have something that is secure, that is true, that is eternal, that will not change, and it will stand. And we have that. So we ask the question, is the Old Testament obsolete? Is the Old Testament obsolete? And as you know, we've been doing this series for a little while now, and of course, our answer is no. It has an important place, an important value uh, for us. But there are a lot of things that go obsolete, and I've got another item here. Are there any kids in this room that would like to help me out? Uh, way up there, have you come yet? Have you done it? Okay, come on down. Let's see how fast you can get down here from the balcony. 
You want to sit in the front row for sporting events? You want to sit in the back row for church? Come on, get up here. Hurry up. Let's give them a hand. All right. Are you ready for this? Okay, stand over here. All right, one, two, three. All right, do you know what that is? Uh, is that one of those things you click and you can see the pictures? That's right. You are, you are the first one so far that has come up here and known what this is. Now, this is a toy called a Viewmaster. Do you have one of these? No. I bet your dad had one of these. Yes, you did. And your mom, might, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, she did. All right, so these are really cool. Have you ever used one? You have? Okay, check it out. I don't even know what's in there. Maybe nothing. Is there anything in there? Oh, there is nothing in there. Well, here, here, let's try this. Okay, so these are little Viewmaster reels. Somebody, they're called stereoscopes. Somebody invented these. You can look at like postcards of places and then... Uh, they developed all sorts of other things. You, how many of you remember having one of these uh, Viewmasters? Okay, let's put it in. I don't know which way is which. Let's try this. Okay, now look out that way so everyone can see you. Okay, tell us what you're seeing. It's upside down. Oh, no. Okay, try that. I'm not sure. It's, it's a cartoon, that's all I know. A curtain? No, a cartoon. A cartoon. Oh, okay. A cartoon. Of course you don't know what it is. Is it, is it switching? Yeah. Can I see it? I gotta see this. All right, see what this is. Oh, it's the Flintstones. You don't know the Flintstones? I do. You do, okay. So what do you think about that? Is that pretty cool? Yeah. All right. Well, good job. We're gonna give you a big hand. And uh, this is, when toys were fun, this is right here, okay? And then listen, I got something for you. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to not let your dad have this because he's going to try to take it. And I want you to use it as fast as you can before it becomes obsolete, okay? All right, give him a big hand. Well done. Kind of cool, kind of a throwback to the past, but the word of God never changes. It never goes obsolete. One of the foundational stories of the Old Testament is the story of Noah and the flood. And people have asked the question about Noah's flood, where did all the water come from? And the story of the flood of the Bible in Genesis 6 and 7 is often used by people to discredit the Bible because they said, how could all the animals fit on the ark? Where would the water come from? All of these things. How could there be enough water to cover the mountains? All of these are used to criticize the Bible. But I would say this. If we take the time to study it and think about it a little bit, we actually are going to find some pretty remarkable answers to these questions. Hosea 4 verse 6 starts this way. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Okay? Usually the question is actually a pretty ignorant question. Okay, so let's see if we find the, the flood, Noah's Ark, all of these things in the New Testament, and we do, 2 Peter 3, 3, knowing this first, that there shall be come in the last days scoffers, which is really interesting to me. I'm talking about people using these questions to criticize the Bible. That would be a scoffer, right? 
Now, there are people that have legitimate questions. We're not calling that person a scoffer. But most people that ridicule the Bible, that say there's no way there could be enough room on the ark to save all the animals, there's no way there could have been enough water to cover the mountains, most of those people are scoffers. In the last days, there will be scoffers walking around after their own lusts, by the way, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? From since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, referring to creation, whereby the world that was then was being overflowed with water. What was that? The world was overflowed with water. And all of those people perished. So the New Testament clearly points back to an authentic story in Genesis that really explains a lot, especially when you look at the field of geology. Now, when we drive around here in Illinois, everything's pretty flat. You don't see a lot of exposed rocks. But as you get up into Wisconsin or out toward the Mississippi and Galena, or especially as you go way out west and you start to see the mountains and the you see, especially way out in Utah and in Arizona, you start to see the rock layers exposed. Most people look at those, all those layers and say, see, the world is millions and millions of years old because it would have taken millions of years for those layers to form. And they scoff at this idea of a global catastrophe. If there was a global flood catastrophe, it would explain all those layers forming rapidly. Very rapidly, within a year, all of those layers could form, or even, a, even less than a year. And we know that this has happened on a smaller scale because of Mount St. Helens. When it erupted, there was this big flow, and then later it eroded out, and you see all those same layers. We know when that formed. Okay, so we know the layers can form quickly, but the New Testament does talk about this. Jesus talked about it, Matthew 24, 37. It talks about Noah. As the days of Noah were, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. Actually, both Peter and Jesus are talking about the future, the end times, and equating the, the days during the end times as the days of Noah. And I think we're living in those days. I really do. So as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For in the days that they were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, by the way, some people say that the flood, there was a flood of Noah. They actually say they believe the Bible and they're Christians, but they say it wasn't a global flood. It was a local flood, a local flood. I don't know if this sounds like a local flood. Jesus talked about it as a global flood, didn't he? And he also said in Luke 17, 26, as we're in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. The flood came and destroyed them all. Not just the people of Mesopotamia, he destroyed them all. This was a global catastrophe. Embark on a journey to explore the inspiring story of the Exodus within grace. Call now for your free Exodus map, 800-78-GRACE. 
This map depicts the route of the Israelites during their escape from Egypt. When you give $35 or more, you'll receive the Exodus map and our brand new video series, Exodus Found, where Jim Scudder Jr. retraces the Exodus in Egypt and Saudi Arabia, diving into the Red Sea to uncover evidence of the miraculous crossing. For those giving $250 or more, you will get the complete Exodus package, the map, the video series, and a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea crossing. And from now until the end of the year, a generous donor will be doubling all gifts. To get these limited time exclusive materials, call 800-78-GRACE or visit ingraceradio.com or write to InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. That would have been a lot of work to build the ark. Some people say, well, how could they have done that? They had a long time. They had a 100-year warning, 120 years warning. How long did they actually build the ark? Well, probably about 50 to 70 years because it talked about after the boys had been born and got older and they had wives, then they would have started. So let's say 50 to 70 years. Could they have built this in 50 to 70 years? Absolutely. I think they're a lot more advanced than we think. And they could have hired shipbuilders, right? So and we always just think it just was them, but they could have hired shipbuilders. God would have provided the resources to do that. We don't know that they did, but that's a possibility. And they did know how to build ships, I'm sure. And then verse 22 of Genesis 6, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him. How important is it that we obey God? Right? I mean, why wouldn't we? God knows what's coming. God knows what he's doing. God knows how to protect you. Do what he says. Just don't, well, you know, I, I don't think, I don't feel like it today or I've got something more important. Oh, there's a Super Bowl. I, I can't go to church on Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, think about what we're saying. Think about what we're saying. Think about what we're putting in front of God. So let's review the size of the ark. Last time we discovered that it was 450 feet by 75 feet by 45 feet. The volume of that would be one and a half million cubic feet. That's the size of 522 boxcars. Each boxcar can hold 240 average-sized animals. Most animals aren't big. Usually we're thinking animals, giraffe, elephant, dinosaur. Most animals are small, squirrels, uh, possums. You know, they're, they're not large. Let's say average them all out. Each boxcar can hold 240 average. So 522 boxcars, a 240 per boxcar, you have over 125,000 uh, animals that could go on the ark, okay? So Noah's ark could hold that many average-sized animals. How many animals went on the ark? If you understand the kind, which is, is any uh, animal that can interbreed, they've done the research, they've done the math, and, and even for extinct animals, it would only be at around 4,000. Okay, now it could go as high as 7,000, but either way, four to 7,000 and you have room for 125,000. Okay, so there is plenty of room on the ark for the animals and for the food and for the water and for the people. All right, so the size of the ark is not a problem. How did the animals get to Noah? That's not a problem. Just thinking a little bit helps us to get and understand all of this. So we switch over from Genesis 6 to Genesis 7. Verse 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. It's now time. He had heard about this flood 120 years earlier. 
It is now time for them to get in. They're done. They have the animals. And God says, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Noah was a man that had his faith in the Lord. And that faith was evidenced by his walk and by his obedience. Can the world see your faith? Can the world see your salvation? They better be able to because if they can't, you're missing out on the most important part of life. And that is sharing God and sharing Jesus by your testimony to this lost world. I have seen righteous in this generation, and that was Noah and his family. And every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. Now, all of a sudden, we're like, wait, it was two by two. Now, all of a sudden, we have these sevens, and male and female, and of beasts that are not clean, two, and male and female. So we have uh, two, and we have seven. What is clean? What is unclean? Well, we know what is clean in Leviticus when God helped Israel set up its sacrificial system. All of that was pointing to a, a future Savior, the Messiah, the Bible tells us that there were clean and unclean animals. And it, was, it really wasn't that difficult. Clean animal was one that would chew its cud and have a divided hoof. So if you look at the animal, if they chew the cud and have divided hoof, they're clean. Now, you say, why, were they, why would that be clean? We don't really understand all of the reasons. Some people think it's because those animals had less disease-prone, foodborne illness-prone issues with them. Uh, or just simply to set them aside, set them apart as unique people. Now you say, well, this was before all of that. And that's true. God might have already revealed to him what clean and unclean was because they had sacrificed earlier. And I'm sure God had revealed that. So a clean animal would be something like a cattle, deer, goat, and sheep. Those all fit the category. Again, there's not that many within the category. There'd be seven. That wouldn't add too much to the total number. Clean birds were chickens, doves, and ducks and cleaned insects, grasshoppers, and locusts. Have you had any grasshoppers and locusts recently? They're actually starting to use them more as protein and powdered. So I, I don't know. Um, you ever seen those suckers and it's got an insect inside? I would probably do it except for the ones that have scorpions. Who thought that was a good idea? Scorpions inside a sucker. Only suckers, I think, would take one of those. All right, so we have these animals now, and uh, they've come to the ark. We have, most of them were the unclean animals two by two, but there were the ones that were clean that came as seven. And uh, that, why, why would God want more clean? Because they were gonna be sacrificing animals, and you don't wanna sacrifice one of the two, right? Then you don't have animals anymore, or at least of that kind. So Genesis 7, 4, and yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. So they were in the ark about a week before the flood began. And then he says, I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. So you say, well, how could God be good if he's going to do this and just literally destroy millions of people and, and, and animals? Well, I explained this more last time. And if you really want more in depth on that, go to last week's message, but it's, it comes down to this. The world had gotten so bad and so wicked, there was so much violence and wickedness that there was a potential of the humans killing all the humans. 
And then there would be no Savior. There would be no Messiah that would come from the human race as God had planned. So this was actually an act of mercy. And God also would have made plenty of room or more arcs if people did uh, repent of that. And, and, and they, they could have come on. They, the, I, I'm convinced that God would have saved as many as wanted to be saved. The Bible called Noah a preacher of righteousness. I believe while he was building, he was also preaching and convincing the world that they were on the wrong track and they needed to put their faith in the Lord. So the big question, though, from this verse, if, if God's going to cause it to rain upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, is there enough moisture in the air in 40 days and 40 nights of rain to cover mountains? Okay? And here's a couple things that you need to remember. Here's a key to answer the question, where did all the water come from? Number one, the mountains of today are probably much higher than the mountains in the original creation. I'm guessing there were small mountains just because God is a God of beauty and we all love mountains, right? And we could have just looked at the mountains or climbed the mountains. So I'm sure there were small mountains, I would call them. But the mountains of today, the Everest, the Denali, these are mountains that have been thrust up. And they're still rising today. The Himalayas are still going up. Okay? It's because of the plate tectonics that happened, I think, during the flood. They collided and they were thrusting up. They're still moving today. And that will help us understand that the mountains today are much higher. So we didn't have to have the mountains up at you know, 18, 20,000 uh, feet covered, they would have probably been lower, maybe 10,000 feet or lower. So the mountains weren't as high. And also, one thing to consider, and I'll, bring, I'll talk about this again later, is the movement of the tectonic plates would have created a, a runaway subduction. So as the plate, one plate goes under the other, and every now and then they bind and they release, that causes earthquakes. Every time there's an earthquake, that's what's happening. Well, that would have been called runaway subduction as all, all of this was occurring in the year of the flood. The runaway subduction eventually would have slowed down enough and created these massive trenches in the ocean. Well, that's where the water came off the continents and went down and also the, the continents raised up uh, because of the plate tectonics, but it also created these vast depths of the ocean and that's where the water flowed back down into. There's plenty of water. And we will talk about that more tomorrow, uh, talking about the depths of the oceans and where all the water came from and where it went back to. This to me is so fascinating. And when people criticize the Bible, you know, there's no way there'd be enough water. Uh, Jacques Rousteau said there was, if everything was lower uh, and the ocean depths weren't as deep, there's more than enough water to cover the continents, very deep, just as the Bible describes. Uh, also, I love looking for these obsolete items, that old Viewmaster that we started with today is pretty fun. So kind of throwback too to some some really wonderful things that that we we know what they are, but our kids or grandkids might not. Right before we go today, let me remind you that we have a really neat series coming out on Friday. You want to hear it. You want to watch it as well. You can watch it uh, tonight on TBN or anytime on YouTube. I would love to send you a map. It's a map of the Exodus route and a lot of information on why I believe it's the correct route. And it follows along with this new series that we have coming up. So let me send that to you for free. It's my thank you for you listening to In Grace. Contact us by going to our website, Grace 
radio.com or call us at 1-800-78-GRACE. Now, for those of you that give a gift of $35 or more, I'll send you the map and our full-length four-part video series, Exodus Found. Then, for those of you that want to support In Grace with a larger gift, if you can give $250, we're going to send you the map and the video series and a beautiful large canvas limited edition print of the Red Sea parting. This is artwork that we did here at Ingrace. It's beautiful. I'm going to have it on my wall. I want you to have it on your wall. And remember, right now to the end of the year, we're going to be matching. We have a donor matching every gift. So when you give a gift to Ingrace, that gift will be doubled. Call now for your free Exodus map, 800-78-GRACE. When you give $35 or more, you'll receive the Exodus map and the video series Exodus Found. For gifts of $250 or more, you will also receive a beautiful, exclusive 16 by 20 canvas print showcasing the miraculous Red Sea crossing. Also, a generous donor is matching all gifts until the new year. Call 800-78-GRACE. Visit ingraceradio.com or write to Ingrace, P.O. Box 9. Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on In Grace Radio with Jim Scudder Jr. In Grace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.